You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 186 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. What's new in Gina world? Well, um, I am uh, about to jump on a plane and go to Bali. I think as uh, this episode airs, I should be there. So I should be well and truly in amongst the heat and humidity and hopefully I've had a swim and all of that. So quite excited heading over. Are you going to be hanging out at um, Uluwatu? Uluwatu. Uh, We might go there. How do you know that word, Valerie? (laughs) Because I've been to Uluwatu. Oh, did you go there? Really? Yes. That's a beautiful beach. Uh, Yeah, we're probably going to get out. So I'm over there with um, Fatini Hatsis, my makeup artist. So we're going to be uh, in and around. She'll be doing your makeup? (laughs) Not my makeup, but uh, she does makeup for me when we're doing shoots. So we'll be in and around Seminyak, but we're going to get across to one of the islands uh, about half an hour away. Don't ask me because I keep forgetting the name of it. Okay. But it looks, so uh, Gina, it looks, uh, obviously, cool. Gina missed the segue that I just opened for her about going to Uluwatu, who many people will, of course, know as one of the greatest surf beaches in Bali. Now, surfing is obviously huge in the Australian culture and the, a book recently landed on my desk It's called The Best of the Best, Australia's Greatest Surf Photographers. And I thought this is, I mean, it's it's stunning. It's fantastic. And it features the winners and finalists of the Nikon Surfing Australia Surf Photo of the Year Award from 2013 to 2017. The best of the best. And it's just full of awesome images and... Uh, The way they describe it is from the drama of ship sterns to the cyclonic fury of an east coast low, sunrise at cloud break and rainbows at Chopu, this is an awe-inspiring collection of award-winning photographs showcasing all of the energy, beauty and drama of the ocean. So it features, you know, surfers like Fanning and Slater and so on. But in this particular episode that you're listening to of So You Want to Be a Photographer, Gina interviews surf photographer extraordinaire Russell Ord. So that Mm. is coming up. But Mm. what I have for you guys is I've arranged a giveaway of three copies of this book. So... You've got to be in it to win it. And the entries will open on the 12th of February and entries will close on the 19th of February. So at some point during that time, you need to go to writerscenter.com.au slash win. So that is actually 
uh, my business, the Australian Writer Centre, and we're giving away three copies of this awesome surf photography book. Go to writerscentre.com.au slash win in order to enter. If you miss the window from the 12th of the 19th of February, there'll be some other book there for you to enter and, you know, win in a competition. But this is specifically catered for you guys. It's about photography. Usually my books are about other stuff. But um, I hope you enjoy it. I hope one of you win. Yeah. There's some epic photos in the book too, Val. It's amazing. Yes. Some amazing uh, surf photographers in there too. So that's exciting. So before we get on to Russell Ord, who is one of the featured photographers in the book, we have a question from Bill and Bill is looking for some recommendations he says I'm in the market for two lighting stands to hold my Nikon speed lights I'll be taking them out for wedding and family shoots so they need to be sturdy reliable and yet easy to transport around great question what's your advice on this Gina all right, so my advice, Bill, is when you're buying uh, light stands or tripods, my advice to everyone is buy once and buy well. So the there are a lot of cheap, cheap light stands out there, and uh, the problem is they're somewhat unstable and they Mm. break easily and so the last thing you want and even if you've got like a lower end flash system the last thing you want is for them to break or for the uh the 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 things that tighten what are those things that that tighten on a a a light stand called you know the anyway they the 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 (laughs) thread the threads wear out and they collapse and you can't extend them to their full height they bend they blow over because they're too cheap so Mm. um really uh think about that so and it can be you know not only frustrating when they fall over but it can be dangerous so like that's the first Mm. thing i consider if you're going to buy one then you want to think about okay where am I going to be using it and how often am I going to be using it and uh you know so these are the things that you want to um think about so the other one that you might want to things that you might want to look into is what style of photography you're going to be using and where is it that you're going to be using them so like uh you can look at things like i love the extendable pole held by a voice activated light stand so the my preference (laughs) is to have a light stand there is a particular brand that you can find that you you give them a, a, a command and on your voice they will move around for you uh, wherever you want them and they're holding an extendable pole that that attaches to the voice activated stand. uh, So that's a a generic term. Voice activated is a generic uh, brand for this particular. I think a lot of people, you probably heard them called uh, human before, (laughs) Val. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Say, hold the light, please. Move hold it the over light, there. Please. So, and 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 I think this is great. I love uh, the extendable pole as a light stand, but you can also have an extendable pole that has feet. So it's a light stand. So you can either get someone to hold that the light for you in place, and this is a great way when you're shooting on the run or you're in a like you might be at an event where there's lots of people milling around and your your light's going to be getting knocked over. So that's that's something to consider. Or you might be uh, 
looking at uh, the single light on a stand. Uh, so there's a variety of those. I really prefer uh, to go with the middle of the market in terms of uh, m- the majority of mine are Manfrotto's and uh, you, that you can get an entry-level one for about 80 to to $100. And they've also got these uh, types of light stands that they're actually designed flat and that you can click two or three or four or five together. So they join together and then you unclick them when you get to the location. So you can carry them all, uh, you know, in one hand. You could have three light stands. So that's a a pretty uh, good little system. And then uh, cheaper still, you can get something called the Lumo Pro, which I've got one of these. They fold down really small to about like two foot small and uh, they'll go up to about – 10 feet tall, I think, like five tiers, and they've got little spikes in the feet so that you can actually uh, dig them into the ground if you've got soft ground and that'll stop them from Mm. moving around. They're fairly lightweight as well and, yeah, not very expensive. Uh, Next level stuff, if you're looking at doing more portraits, uh, I would look into investing in something called a C-stand or a boom stand, and that's where you've got your light stand and then you've got another cross arm that goes across the top and uh, this works well with a speed light, something light that you can uh, manoeuvre your light up and over the top of your model so that you can uh, light in a more sophisticated way rather than the light being next to them. And the other Mm. benefit of having this sort of boom or cross arm when you're uh, lighting is that if you're doing uh, shots where you want to bring the light in really close to your model, when you've got the boom it means that your your the the light is going to be just out of frame so you're not having to when you've got the light stand right next to your model you're constantly having to contend with that light stand being in your frame so this is a good way to get out of the shot so uh c stands are are quite heavy Uh, i've got a manfrotto boom stand which is really handy and it'll take even a smaller uh battery operated light as well and uh the c stands i've got is a an adventure, uh, Avenger C stand. So, um, around a a couple of hundred dollars, uh, quite heavy though, both of those. So you want to think about that, but having said that I've taken my boom overseas and and used it over there. If you don't have the voice activated model, the (laughs) boom, uh, for $200, you own it outright. I think the voice activated model works out. You can hire them for 200 to 300 a day, but that also includes, you've got to uh, lunch and afternoon tea <laughs> and dinner. So you can weigh up the options um, and, uh, and the think boom. Go the boom. <laughs> really? And then there's the MacGyver <laughs> boom, Val, where you can have one light stand and you get something like a, um, a, a super clamp uh, and uh, you clamp the other second light stand in a T with on onto the first light stand so you create your own little ghetto sort of macgyver boom stand there using a super clamp so that works Love well a good macgyver. look at macgyver boom on my website there's i think there's a mm. um a blog post that i did on on how to make one of those and how i did a shoot with one so there you go i hope that helps Fantastic. Yes. Awesome. So let's move on to Russell Ord, whose images are in the book that we've just mentioned. Uh, Oh, they're just amazing, aren't they, Gina? 
He's just uh, an extraordinary photographer and so gutsy. And it's like, you know, you think about often uh, you'll hear photographers saying, all right, so I rocked up to get this shot of a a person and after an hour we were shooting together and I just didn't get the shot and I'm really disappointed. So imagine uh, Russell who had a shot in mind that he wanted to get and, like, he worked for years to get that shot and he risked his life to get that Ooh. shot and he ended up he did get it and uh it's it's an amazing an amazing interview like he he goes he's very generous with his information he, you know he talks about how his uh a knee injury got him into photography and then he 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 actually learnt by trial and error and then he he's facing dangers you know in shooting mm. these big waves like he, he could die out there it's that dangerous mm. so so just imagine it's hard enough working out how to get your aperture right and the shutter yes. speed you, you know on dry land without you know what what how, how do you go in the surf fell so when you had the a world champion teaching you how to boogie board yes. right you know mm-hmm. i know from experience in the surf that it's like i can barely get up to my knees before a wave comes and dumps me and you know when they dump yes. you your face is ground into the sand for and you come out with sand in areas where you, you're finding yeah. sand, <laughs> like I know. sand for the next two weeks out of places yes. where there shouldn't be sand in those places so like this is the stuff that Russell is contending with. And, and and so he's risking his life. He's getting knocked around. So you've got to be like super fit, like to be able to uh, yeah. tread water. It's not like when you're out there, you can stand on the sand and try and get a photo or sit down and sit back with a long lens. He's in amongst it all. And then you're dodging uh, surfers that may – uh, mm. surf over the top of you, knock you out. You could drown. You could get taken yep. by a shark. And he yeah. is out there uh, trying to get this one shot and, uh, you know, he uh, just amazing, so much respect. And, like, if you guys get a chance, I really urge you to check out the video uh, One Shot, uh, which is I've put it's a link in one the shot. show notes. One Shot, an image and an attitude, and uh, written, directed, filmed, edited, and produced by Darren McCaw of McCaw. I think it is M little C C A G H. Uh, check it out. Uh, I think the guy is a legend for creating this uh, particular uh, um, video. It's amazing. If you want to uh, yeah. have a look at it now, it's one shot doco.com. Yeah, fantastic. And so I think, uh, yeah, lots of and lots and lots of stuff uh, in this interview. So I hope you guys enjoy it. G'day, Russell. Welcome to the show. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. No worries. Uh, so just for everyone listening, where, where in the world are you at the moment? <laughs> Oh, I'm in uh, New Zealand in a small place called Waipu Cove. It's what? kind of about oh, 130Ks north of Auckland. And so you're on the coast there. Are you, are, you, are you getting some surfing in as you go? or? You yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting plenty of surf. Not so much right in front. I'm right on the beach. I'm having a lot of swims, but I'm travelling a little bit for waves. How far do you have to travel to catch your waves? <laughs> Oh, one or two hours to get some really good quality stuff. 
But yeah. um, I can still surf out in front on a on a mall or or just it's just really fun size out front. Right. So, um, are, are you getting up like at dawn to to surf, or is it all different times? I kind of it is different times, but um, the last few times it's been like getting up at three thirty in the morning because you've you've got to beat the tides. Right. So, um, yeah, they've got massive tides here, and if you don't if you don't get on the beach early enough, you'll just get stuck, or you just won't get around the rocks. So it's you, it's all about timing with the tides here. My God! So like, and then you're driving for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. You just drive and then get around there and have a good surf. But the the best thing is is you're only surfing with maybe two or three people, so it's it's magic. Oh, so it's like you got the beach to yourself, which is perfect. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Now, I've just watched uh, the documentary that you're in. So it's one shot, an image, and an attitude. And it's like I'm blown away by uh, what you do and the skill level. But you know what impressed me the most, Russell, was how many quotes I picked up from watching. I was just like taking notes. I'm like, oh, that's a good quote. <laughs> that's a good quote. And I want to start with the one that you say uh, as as the as the documentaries uh, starting now. But it was filmed by um, Darren. I'm going to get his name right. How do you pronounce his surname? Darren McKay. Yeah, yeah it doesn't make one, sense that, that that like C A G H. Uh, he filmed that so beautifully and um, it, it's just incredible. And you were saying off air that he, that was like one of his first attempts at filming. Is that right? It's, it's his first doco and I met him on the beach and he just picked up a camera and then he said to me, oh, I'd like to do a little, you know, a little piece on you. And that's kind of how it all started. So he was learning as he went, but he's, he's that type of person. He's, um, really good at what he does he's determined he's always learning and um yeah he did a magic job oh sensational what an eye it's just it's just so beautifully filmed and so this i found this video uh on vimeo so i'll put the link in the show notes it only goes for about 30 minutes but uh i definitely encourage any photography photography lovers to watch it because uh it's like all about the passion uh for just catching that you know capturing that one shot but i want to start with uh the quote that you use at the start of the the, the film that pretty much I think it, it sums up you as a person and you say you put and I think it was this was from your grandmother used to say that about the you put wishes in one hand and spit in the other and which fills up first you can be a dreamer and put all your wishes in one hand and that's all you'll ever be or you can work your ass off blood sweat and tears and fill the other one up I uh, I can see that you've worked your guts out to learn your craft and uh, even at times risk your life trying to get that one shot. Where where do you get that work ethic from? Um, probably my dad more so. He he's yeah, he's he's the kind of person that, you know, never had a day off in his life and just worked hard. So that probably rubbed off from him. Mm. And um, I definitely don't work as hard as what um, he does. I think I try to work a little bit smarter. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but it definitely come from him for sure. And 
So you were a fireman. You played rugby union. It's union or league? Which, which one nah, was it? No, league, yeah. Played you played rugby, rugby league. league, fireman, rugby league, and then uh, a surf photographer doing the, the big waves. All adrenaline kind of focused uh, activities. Where does that come from? Were you always an adrenaline junkie as a, a kid growing up? Um, no, not really. It's kind of, I just fell into it. I started playing rugby league when I was like five or six and, mm. and, and all sports. I loved every kind of sports. I mean, I would have been a, um, phys ed teacher for sure, but they told me I had to teach another subject. So I gave it a miss. I didn't really know anything about anything else. So it was just all about the sports. And then the fire brigade, when I got in the fire brigade, it was, that was kind of similar back then as well. They were just taking in, uh, just kind of like athletes it was really hard to get in if you were not really that good at sports and even when I first started I I was so surprised of all the guys I was around that would they were kind of like these you know AFL footballers and just everybody knew how to do everything in sports wise so it was kind of just that and then the surf photography just evolved from that as well. Yeah, so tell us how that that was like um you so you were always a surfer as as a child, right? You you did you live yeah. close to the beach and went surfing and then there was an accident. Um tell us about that and how that inspired your uh the start of your career as a surf photographer. Well, the the I just kind of blew my knee. But that was a lot longer. It was I mean, I started surfing with mates when I was about 10 or 11. We'd ride down, you know, we'd be riding 15 k's to the beach and back with the trolleys, the old trolleys with the boards behind them. So that was great. Yeah. But then um, 15 the rag- k's on a bike, how long did that take? On a push a while. bike. Yeah. And we, we'd get to the beach and all the really good guys would just laugh at us because we didn't even have a wetsuit. We just had all these old boards. And it was only in the city beaches in Perth. Yeah. And then um, – and then the rugby league kind of started taking a lot more time and the surfing would be just weekends if I was lucky. Yeah. And then uh, it kind of – it all went pretty quick and I, the rugby league took off, got in the fire brigade and got back into surfing when we moved down to Margaret River and then just – because you get a few injuries playing rugby league and I just blew a knee and so I just picked up a camera and started taking photos. Not good ones because it was with film and no, it was pretty hard to get information out of any – um, old surf photographer that was down there. They wouldn't what, give you anything. What year was this, Russell? That would have been 98. 98, yeah. So like this that. is kind yeah. of before um, much was online. Well, I don't think there was – like was there the internet then in 98? Probably not really. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, slight, the stuff didn't start coming online till about maybe 2008 was when I first noticed you could get any information. So – You've got a film camera and how – did you have any formal training or did you just find these old guys the, to, to mentor you um, in, nah, in that no sort one, of tra- – yeah, No one mentored me. They they wouldn't give you any information whatsoever. Nah. There was only like one or two. It was just um, – you just learn as you go. You put the slides in and send it off to the lab and you get it back and they're all – you know, you, you ring up the lab and say, I don't, I don't think you did this right. And they would say, no, I don't think you did it right. And I was like, okay, you know, you got to let more light in. I was like, oh, okay, how do you do that? And then it was just, you know, after five or six rolls of film, you, you slowly figure it out. 
at, at uh, uh, seven bucks a roll for the film and seven bucks or ten bucks to process it. So it's get it gets expensive, and probably I think you learn a little bit faster to to avoid having to spend money. Is that right? Oh, you learn real fast. I mean, and even you've got your thirty six shots and you swim out. I wouldn't even use half that roll when I'd swam out because I'd have to swim all the way back in and change it. And I just couldn't afford it. I was, I was learning. I was just, I mean, the top surf photographers back in the day would get filmed from surfing magazines and, you know, I'd be getting shots and I'd make my light box up and it was good. It was, you know, you'd get the occasional shot that looked good, but I didn't send an image off to a magazine for about four and a half, five years, I don't think. So you spent all that time um, honing honing your skills on your own and and you used the guys in the lab. Were they kind of acting as mentors when you'd come in, lay the photos out, they'd kind of give you some tips? Shit, not, nah, not even. I'd just send it off and they would send it back and that was it. I, I didn't really have any. I just look at surfing magazines. It's easy to compare your work to, you know, the top guys at that time. Mine, mine were woeful compared to what they were doing. So um, how, do you, how do you reverse engineer from there? You're looking at the photo and you're thinking, all right, so you can maybe work out angles and you can maybe guess the sort of focal length they're shooting. How, how, how do you do that? You just like trial and error, trial and, trial and error till you get the shot that looks similar? Yeah, just it's mainly at the start I, I didn't struggle with angles as much because I'd been surfing for so long, so I was already used to the ocean. It was more the exposure and and getting that right because mm. it's pretty hard shooting surf because you've got the dark darks and then you, and then it's really white when they explode. So, um, so it's yeah, high, probably- high contrast, isn't it? And and then you've also got like uh, you know the, the backlighting at times or the afternoon light, and then you've got moving objects to contend with and. What the early housings for the waterproof cameras? What were they like? Was it clunkier? Could you could you change um, settings, or did you have to just cha- work out your settings on the beach and then head out? And you, you kind of could change one setting. <laughs> That's yeah. it. What was you that? You turn the camera on. Well, it was either speed or aperture. Right. So, like, so you normally I would just work on the speed. Yep. and um, set my aperture and then I could just change the speed, you know, if it got a bit cloudy. I was slowly figuring it figuring it all out. So, um, yeah, it was just the speed on the, the early ones and now you can, I mean, you can change do, anything now. Do everything. And were you pre-focusing as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was shooting really wide most of the time, so mm. it was all manual focus. And yep. then I'd tape that lens up. And, tape it uh, up so it doesn't move around at all. Yeah, it's just so it didn't move. So right. I, I kind of focus more on the real wide angle shots because it sort of give you a sense that you were you're surfing yourself when you're that close. Yeah, and so by wide we're talking what fourteen or 20? yeah sixteen mil. Sixteen. Yeah. Yep, fantastic. So you've got that four years where you, you you're perfecting, and then you start uh, submitting stuff to the surf magazines. What happens next? How, how did you get that uh, that break that got you? Because uh, you then started to get recognised more and more for your work. Yeah, the first shot I ever sent 
in would have yeah it's like one of those things you know got laid up for the cover and it didn't get it and that was swimming out on a big day at um, North Point in West Australia so that's the first shot that I thought that you know that's pretty amazing not many people are, are swimming out in conditions like this and then um, and I only just sent one shot in and they got back to me and it got a double page but Jesus. It, you know so I just it was like an apprenticeship so you just do it and you know in yourself what a good shot is. Yeah. Like so, it, it, yeah. So just for um, not maybe non-surfers or yeah, the, the, just explain the difference between a uh, the surf photographer because you see them at, at you know at the big events you'll see them lined up on the beach with the big um, you know 200, 500 lenses on right from the safety of the beach and you'll get like a, a maybe a great shot as the surfers coming along the way. Fantastic. So that's you were saying there's lots of those guys, but you wanted to take it next level and you're swimming out swimming out, you're not on a board or a jet ski or anything. You're swimming out and you're amongst it all taking the photos. Can like so can you talk us through that? The 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 difference between the two styles of photography? Yeah, it's. I find when I'm shooting on the on the beach, it's. I'm really just capturing moments all the time. It's. Yep. You know, I'd like to. I don't normally use a tripod either because when I'm on the beach, I, I like to shoot. I've, I know I've got that shot, especially now with digital. Yeah. And then and then move. So shoot, move, shoot, move, shoot, move. So you have a a really um, a big a range of images you can put forward to the magazine, but it's just for me, it's. It's just too easy. It's um, it's kind of boring. It's like being on the sideline at the footy and you know just shooting all the moments. So imagine if you could run out into the middle of the football yeah, yeah. oval and start taking photos. That'd that's be amazing. Exactly what, oh, it'd be pretty exciting <laughs> with a fourteen millimeter lens. Yeah, it'd just be going so up good. In the or something like that would be pretty funny. How quickly before you got cleaned up though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and that's pretty much what you went and did. It's like you're in the middle of it, and uh, but but you're also uh, in amongst these. How 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 big are some of these waves? And because you you, you honestly, when you you see them, you don't get a sense of it, and then until you see the size of the surfer compared, and this is just like this massive wall of water. What does that feel like to be? in amongst all of that and then trying to keep your composure, keep your, keep above the water to get that, to focus on getting a shot. What's that like? I think you just, you just build up to it. It's, it's like if you were to even just start surfing, you just, you don't start in, you know, 10 or 15 foot waves. You start at the bottom and you just ease into it. So, you know, you want to push yourself, but you still need to be comfortable. You still need to be safe, um, and you know what you can go through. That's that's the thing about shooting in the water. It's you just, you know, you can learn a camera pretty quick these days yep. on you know how this works and how how does that work. But when you're in the ocean, that takes a long time to get good at because it's all ocean skills. I mean, that's why so many good. Um, surf photographers or especially from in the water they have that background I don't really I mean when I'm thinking of crew I, I, there's not many that I'd know that hadn't surfed or bodyboard or, or their life didn't re- revolve around the ocean you just couldn't do it because it, it takes years to learn 
what the waves are doing and um, you know I've got a couple of mates that have just started at Kim Feast in in West Oz and you know he's coming from a, a bodyboarding and and he's already taking really good photos and it's mm. it has been a couple of years but it's already quality yep because he's got that background that he knows and it's almost like you understand the surf and uh, what's I, I think uh, knowing how to anticipate the action because if you hadn't surfed before you don't know that when there's what because there's one scene in the movie where there is uh, a massive wave that happens and anyone who surfed knows that the, do they come in twos waves is that how that how it works because I never oh, knew that it come sometimes they come in sevens like really? it just just depends um I, there's been a couple of times down there that I've got lucky and there was only one yep. and you know you, you're getting cleaned up and you, it's pushed me out of the way so I'm kind of out of the impact zone Yep. Uh, and I normally have a um, rescue for those kind of waves I'll have someone on the ski for rescue Yep. and uh, just to pick me up and it, mainly to I can save energy as well so because if I have to swim back I'm, I'm kind of like getting too tired for that I'd rather just get picked up and dropped off <laughs> but um just getting a bit lazy but it's um yeah if you if you're in the impact zone there's been a time where I've been down there and I haven't been swimming because I just haven't it just hasn't felt right like it's either felt a bit sharkier it's a bit gray and um one of the um Paul Patterson got like a two and a half wave hold down there and I think anyone apart from him probably would have died I mean he was pretty close wow and that's and that really is probably the longest hold down I've seen there, and that was about a minute, which God. is a long time. It is a really long time when you're getting flogged. I mean, 10 seconds feels like a minute. So, I so hold imagine. down is when the, the wave, the force of the wave pushes you under the water and you, before you surface. Is that right? Yeah, you're just getting held down, and yep. if you struggle to get up, you you're can't. just burning oxygen. Well, you can't anyway, but people will struggle in that situation, yep. and they'll try to try to find how to get to the top. And they'll just burn through their oxygen so quick. You really have to just enjoy that moment of, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a bit like rugby league as well. Like, you know, you're getting belted by a big front rower or something. So it's not that much difference yep. except you can't breathe. And yep. um, if you relax, the journey down there, it does, it's not that long at all. It's, you know, probably 20 seconds at the most. And 20 seconds, anyone can hold their breath for 20 seconds if they relax. Well, in the um, in the in the uh, video one shot, um, you're you're seen training for for being out there, and there's one scene where you hold your breath for three minutes and five seconds. Is that right? Yeah, that's a static. I'm yeah. not. I'm not really good at them. Yeah, um, you, at they all, said like. that you weren't very. Yeah, but like you're doing that that training, and then there's a whole like you, you are. You need to be at that sort of peak peak fitness, right? To to be able to tre tread water and hold the camera up, and you know, be be able to keep yourself in position. It it it. <laughs> looks so exhausting i was tired just watching it you know yeah, yeah. 
you have to have a, a, a good level of fitness. I wouldn't say I was – I mean, I've been a lot fitter in my time. Yeah. Way fitter when I was younger and in the fi- early fire brigade days and the rugby league days. Like, you couldn't – you were training two or three times a day, so I would never do that now. Yeah. And, um, but mentally – if you're mentally fit, so you know you know what your body's going through. That's the you you can be super fit and still drown, but if you're mentally fit and knowing what you're going through, you'll you'll preserve a heap of oxygen. But you know, being fit to take the shot helps as well. And you talk about that mentally fit, and I think you seem like the type of guy that has done a lot of work on that part of it because you talk about. Uh, being absolutely in the moment and I think this sort of photography I think any kind of art you need to be in that sort of flow state in that moment to get that great shot but more so when you've got like all this danger around you you know there's the danger of being cleaned up a by the wave or by another surfer and you're talking about everything is fine in this one moment and and it's a good feeling and like that sense of you know you're alive and so you're staying calm um, is that is that is that what's helping you nail those shots without the you know panicking and worrying about oh my god I'm about to be cleaned up? Yeah, it, well, it certainly helps. I mean, if you can get in the water and you're not thinking about because it is you're only getting in the ocean, and I get in the ocean every day and. It, enjoy it and just because it's 20 or 30 foot waves that's nothing's really going to happen it's just in your mind so it's you know you could walk out I could walk out in the street now and get hit by a car but I'm not I'm not thinking of that I'm not worried about that I'm just thinking of walking down the steps and going into the water it's exactly the same so if you can just get all the negative thoughts out and this kind of goes for anything in life really Mm. um and you're just living in that very moment and all all that's happening is there's the ocean around my body and that's it that's a pretty good feeling it's really nice and you know you know you're not thinking about drowning or getting eaten or anything like that and um because you have to you do have to relax and some of the surfers um are really good at it as well so you know, they're not getting completely overawed by the situation. They know when they let go of the rope, if they're relaxed and something happens, they're obviously going to survive a lot easier, you know, because they're getting held down. Yeah. But if you've got a surfer that's all over amped and he's yelling and screaming, he's just burning energy. And um, if he goes over like that, he couldn't last half the amount of time as the other surfer. So it's kind of – I just – I just look at what the surfers do and kind of copied them. Yeah, and and staying in the zone with with that that relationship with the surfers. So obviously, when you're uh, shooting a competition, that there are key guys that you need to photograph. Now, the surfers are are competing, but they're also aware that you're in the water too. Do you develop some kind of uh, relationship? Because I know, and it's like it's it's. It's similar in some ways, but like, you know, a completely different field. But if I'm um, working on a, um, a movie or a, a TV uh, production and I'm trying to get stills, there are certain actors that I'll have a relationship with that they will feel me in the room and know to, to – they'll help me out and they'll maybe turn towards the light a little bit. Do, is there something similar that goes on in the surf world when, when you're trying to get those kinds of shots? 
It's kind of similar. They're, you know, they're professional athletes. They just have to do what they do. You know, mm. They just have to go out and surf. It's When you work with a surfer over time, you do get to develop their style and you can get a lot closer. So, um, you know, some people might fade their bottom turn and if you, if you weren't – aware of that you might get hit by their board because because when you're shooting wide some of the times i'm only an arm length away yeah wow closer you know i've had boards two inches but i'm confident that that surfer is gonna hold his line and and that's how he surfs so i can get super super close and he's not going to fall off it's actually harder to work with surfers that don't have that skill level because I've got I've got hit quite a few times and it's more like guys that surf like me you know they um, they're not professional they they're good surfers but they make mistakes and um, if they make a mistake normally you've still got your head out of the water and you're copying it so yeah it's kind of similar like that but you've got to build up relationships with people as well especially at the start because um, surfers want to know they're going to get published and it's you know it's a t- it's a tough game and how has that changed over the years so it's like are there now it does it work like um again i've got to relate it back to what i know so say i'm doing uh i'm i'm commissioned to shoot an event there's only so many photographers that will get accreditation to be that at that event to, you know to be uh to have access to a certain room and and i think with a lot of sports it's the same thing you can't just get on the sidelines unless you've got that accreditation is it the same with um the open water like that or can anyone Joe Schmo sneak in and try and get photos. It's kind of a real touchy subject because you you you're going you're going out of your way. You're driving five or six hours, and then you're on a ski and and all that. And you build and you might be shooting two or three guys, and you could roll up, and then another photographer comes, and he's got two or three guys too. And you would back in the day, you would just um, oh. You'd have a relationship with the other photographer. He would he would take shots of your guys, but you would it'd be kind of like you'd respect each other what they were doing. Yeah, and you, you wouldn't. I call it poaching. Yeah. So if I took shots of his guys, I'd say, oh, when you finish, let me know, and then I'll start um, trying to get my shots out, and vice versa. Yeah. But now. It's just a it's a free for all, and you know people go, oh, it's a you know it's a public space, and it but you can just go down on a swell and shoot anyone and shoot over the shoulder of a professional photographer and then give your shots away for free. You yeah, just, just put it that's just kills it. So, yep. um, it's probably why I'm not doing as much these days because of that because I just want to do my own thing, but doing your own thing because surfing is so popular now is getting really difficult. You know, yep. you read the swell charts, any photographer go, Oh, that surf's going to be good. And he knows certain surfers are going to be there. Yeah. Um, he could really affect the other photographer that's there for sure. He just posts it all up on social media and job done. The magazine won't touch it. Right. But in doing that, what happens is you kill everyone by doing that. You know, it's, it's sort of putting that stuff out there. Um, it's really sad, un- unfortunately, that that, that sort of um, photographer etiquette is going away. Hopefully it will come back and there will be that respect amongst 
um, you know, the, the peers that they everyone will look out and just create their own shot. Yeah, for sure. And that etiquette's definitely gone. Ah, such a shame. So, <laughs> um, you actually spent again. I go back to this amazing movie that I just, you know, everyone has to has to watch it because it's so cool. But you spent three years chasing that one shot. Is that right? That you had in your head. Can you just talk me through that shot that you wanted to get and? Uh, there was a couple of false starts in getting that shot. How did it feel when you finally nailed that shot, which is actually the cover image of uh, the the artwork for this podcast? Yeah, it was. I kind of started it more through frustration, going for it, like exactly what we were just talking about. You'd be going down there, and I'd be shooting, and then there'd be so many people shooting the same angles, and. What happens is you don't really see your own work because anyone can kind of do it. Mm. It's really important to me to look at my work and go, oh, that's a Russell Lord. Yeah. So I can't really do that. I can only do that maybe to maybe five or six of my images that I had in my, in my library. So it was through frustration. I was like, I'm going to just start swimming. And I already swam in pretty big waves, but this was – this was another level again, and yep. I'd already surfed big waves, so it wasn't a, a huge leap, but a little leap. And then the first time I ever tried it, I, I got a cover, and it, people couldn't believe that what I'd done. And, but then I still wasn't that happy with that image because what, what I was, was wrong thinking, with it? What was it that you didn't like about that image? I just knew I could do better. Right. Like if I was another meter in or a meter down. Uh, this was shot with Chris Ross. I would have looked straight through this wave, and um, and I was like, oh, I could do that. I could definitely do that. And I'd done it. There's. It took three years because surfing is is like that. It just you got to wait for the swells. There was um, there was another couple of times where I was in the perfect position, and then the surfer fell off, and the, there was. It just kept. I was like, oh my god, it's it's not going to happen. <laughs> And um, I finally got that one of Mark. And in the end, it doesn't really look that good to people that – most people that look at surf photography are like, oh, that's okay. But they have got no idea that yeah. what went into that shot. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was stoked. So I was done. I haven't really um, done much surf photography since then because I haven't had a real goal to go for. Not yeah. like that anyway. Yeah, and it so- is a selfish thing because I'm going down. I'm not really making any money because I'm missing everything. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and it's virtually just a shot for myself. It's just like you climbed Mount Everest, really. You got there and you, and you did it. Like you set yourself a goal and got it. But there was like one moment where you thought you'd got the shot. And uh, ha- how did that feel that when you um, open up your housing, look on the back and think you've got the shot and go, oh, it's soft. <laughs> oh, it's it was such a mistake. It, yeah, that was. Um, I kind of knew in the water that happened because you felt, the wave did you before, feel that? Yeah, the wave before I got hit by, and the housing. Oh, I, my knee blew up like a balloon. Hit my knee. Yeah, and it hit it so hard. But then Mark was on the following wave, and I didn't get time to set it. Yeah. And um, I just, I, I, getting hammered, it actually put me in a good spot. 
And then um, I took the shot and then I was just like, oh, it just doesn't look right. And I kind of knew then because I just looked through the, the, the housing and it was out of focus anyway. And I was like, I bet it was out of focus on that March wave. It kind of wouldn't have been the shot anyway in the end because yep. he couldn't just see through to the other side. Yep. But it still would have been one of my better ones for sure. And uh, I got that printed up, that shot, and had it above my desk for quite a while just to remind me to um, oh, dot the I's and cross the T's basically. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just a, like it, it's uh, it's that um... – that, that preparation time because uh, it takes a long time to prepare and get that great shot and like a, a split second to ruin it. Yeah, so you'll never just, get it back. No, you don't get that back and that's all that work. And so, yeah, I probably would have done the same thing. Um, it's like a pretty mean thing to do to yourself. but uh, And so when you finally got that shot, it like did you feel like, all right, I can – that's it. I got it. I achieved my goal. How does that feel? It was kind of weird in a way. It felt good, but it was just like, oh, okay, yeah, that that's good. I might have to do something else now. It, it just, but I had to kind of reflect on the whole journey, and then mm. that felt it felt better after that. Yeah. Because um, in the end, it was just a photo. Yep. Um, and but when you reflect on the whole journey and and what I learned and how hard it was to get. Uh, it started feeling really good. So, yeah, in the end, I mean, I don't think of it much now, but um, it is still one of those I was saying before where I can look at it and I know there's maybe, I don't know, there would, it'd have to be only one handful of people that could actually get a photo like that. Right. Well, so you'd yeah. have to be proud of that. I mean, it's iconic shot and uh, you, you're legendary in the industry, so I think it was uh, worth climbing that mountain for sure. Um, all right, so for people who are listening, obviously uh, maybe not planning on getting out and uh, – shooting big waves like that, but just even closer to shore. But have you got any recommendations? Like there's a couple of things that I want to know about, and that's um, firstly when you're out there shooting and you've got the camera in the housing and you've got it above the water, how do you um, not get uh, water droplets or any of that on the on the screen? There's a couple of – when I'm shooting really wide, I'm shooting through a dome. So I'm kind of – I'm shooting through a wet dome, so I'm spitting and licking. It's, like, it is – so that's true that you spit and lick. Yeah. So that whole you, quote yeah. at the start of the of the movie where you talk about the handful of spit, <laughs> it's, uh, it comes around full circle. Yeah, that kind of makes sense with, with that, doesn't it? It does. Life is about how much you can, how quickly you can fill your hand with spit, and because it comes in handy. Yeah, you need to drink a lot of water and the, the night before because you can go through it. Like, you, I would spit and lick quite a bit, and you can see it on your housing when you pull the housing out that you've just got a beautiful fine film of water. Yeah. And you can just shoot straight through that. It's just like glass. Yeah. But if you've got a, if, that's why I don't wear sun cream or anything like that. Because if you smudge a bit of sun cream on the on the port, it's going to bead instantly. And you learn the hard way when you're shooting film when you sh- thirty six shots come back and they've all got water droplets on. You, yeah. 
So you use a lot of that. And then the other way, when you're shooting in the water at length, you're kind of shooting through a dry port. And, um, I mean, no one would ever told me when I first started, but just a little bit of candle wax on the port and then just rub it in and rub it off and then the water just beads Beads. off quickly. Right. Yeah. So then you're kind of shooting through a dry port, but you've got more time because you're not actually – you're not really – Oh, you are in the waves at times, but normally you're sitting on the shoulder and you're shooting into the into the wave. So that that's the methods that I use, and it works for me. Has anyone invented a uh, synthetic version of spit that works on the lens, on the on the hood, on the dome? There probably is. There's there's always a lot of chat on the internet on this is best and this is best, but uh, I don't. You know, I don't need. To remember to put anything on I just lick and spit I've done it for 20 years and it's at the end when I the, the end of my film days I could get 36 shots back and 32 of them would be good wow so yeah you just you just get used to doing it so it's lick first then spit <laughs> oh you can lick the spit if you really want to just know it's your it's your DNA it's not a big deal and then what what so what do you do you're licking and then you're spitting and rubbing it in what what do you yeah, I'm, with, I'm, I'll spit and if you can kind of even have a you know nice big flat white or something coffee before you go for a swim the the gluggier it is the better and then you you're licking the whole port and um, it just takes I don't know exactly what it does. It just takes the edge off it because if if you've got a really warm port, you'll see it bead quick, yeah. and then you'll put it in the water and you'll pull it out and you'll see a few times that it's beading, and then you just keep licking, spitting, and um, it'll slowly come where it's just a a beautiful film to shoot through. And is there stuff that you shouldn't eat that will cause you to like not have like with you, if you spits more acid or alkaline has anyone ever done any <laughs> stu- <don't> <laughs> there's probably no scientific thing to it but you, you, you can dry up pretty quick if you because sometimes i'll use a really big dome there's a lot of licking and spitting on that thing so you're so you're licking the whole thing you're not touching it with your hands because your hands no. would have um seawater on them right so it's just the tongue no touching of yep. skin or anything yep. because anything that touches it, yep. that's a bead will happen straight away. Yep. Wow. That's that's so good to know because uh, that was a thing that annoyed me even like even if you've got a, like a simple smartphone to know to do that. Um. All right. So that the housings now, if if you're going to uh, commit to to that, you're obviously going to want a waterproof housing that that fits uh, your camera and are there way like do you just pick a lens and then you get a, that you're going to be working with and that's it or do you can other um the, the the front parts of the housing are they interchangeable as well how does that all work yeah the, the housings are great you can just change ports to suit the lens i mean I, I'm pretty – like people have four or five ports. I have like two. Like yeah. I'll just shoot wide angle or 50 mil and or maybe a, a longer lens occasionally and that's all I do. So I can travel really light and still get the job done. But, um, yeah, you can just change the ports at the front. So it's pretty good. 
how far how far underwater can you go like to how many is there are are they uh tested to a certain are are they the same housing or are there special ones for deep diving and things like that they're all they're all different like my ones are more like a sport one i know aquatech tests them to like 50 or 60 meters but they just say go down to 10 meters and i've I've swam down to 15 meters which is really deep yeah um with them but you'll have to get a dedicated dive one if you're going to go down, you know, to 20 plus meters or 30 meters or whatever it is diving with, it's quite dark down there too. So they have strobes and all that sort of thing. Mine's pretty basic, just a sport. It's more like a sports housing for, for surf and anything ocean related like that. It's perfect. And there are uh, surf photographers now that are using strobe with, with when they're shooting as well, so they sh- to, to override the, the the sun. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. You can get the housing. You can get like you can get your flash put on the top. You can get remote flash. We were, I was shooting a lot of remote flash maybe ten years ago. Right. And, um, Where's the so flash? In, who's got that? Someone else. Water. Yeah, and then it's, <laughs> it's pretty funny because normally you want to. <laughs> You want to shoot quite late at night and you have to find someone to swim with the flash and it gets a little bit sharky at night sometimes. So, um, And then the other person can just shoot from the beach. There's all, there's all sorts. And then there's ones where you can have the, uh, the flash on one and the, you know, the strobe on the other. It's, it's interesting. It's pretty – there's some really good photographers. I don't really use it that much now. I've, I've lost the skill on the flash work, but – there's some good ones out there. It's like juggling on a roller coaster. There's so many moving. I mean, it's hard enough to nail a good portrait, you know, flash off camera on dry land without the fear of sharks or getting cleaned up by, by a wave. That's uh, that's incredible. Um, uh, with the settings now, are, so are you still pre-focusing uh, with with autofocus cameras or, or, or how, how does that work? Yeah, if I'm, I'm shooting wide, I still manual focus the lens. Yep. But because you can, there's different focal lengths. So if I'm in like some clean water in Fiji or Tahiti or something like that, you can, um, it's still manual, but you can use the back focus button to change the focal length for underwater or above water, depending what sh- shots you want. Right. So that's pretty handy. Yeah. But if I'm shooting at 50 mil or anything above that, I'll just use um, continuous autofocus. It's pretty, they're that good. It's pretty yeah. easy. Yeah. Just put the square on the surface head and um, f- fire away, really. And is there a particular f-stop you like to shoot at? To do, are you shooting? Um, I don't see many surf shots at all that are shallow depth of field. They all seem fairly um, narrow, like you know, eight, 10, 11, 16. Is that? Is there a reason for that? Well, it's just you don't even have to look through the um, viewfinder if you're shooting at rounds. I, I kind of like sitting on eight when I'm shooting wide. Yep, but. I will shoot at f2 if I'm shooting the longer lens for sure. Oh, really? Just to, to yeah. is that? Are you shooting long lens and swimming out, or is long lens yeah. for the? You're kidding. So how long? Oh, not super. I just call it longer. Anything longer than 16 mils long for me, but <laughs> right. um, 50 mil. Yeah, because I'm using Fuji now as well. So um, I'll use the 90 mil, which is equivalent to 135 mil in wow. And um, probably that, that's the longest I'll go. Yeah. Um, because I used to use a 70 to 200. But the, In the water. Tri- 
Yeah, in the water. Yeah, they make ports for them. They still make ports for them. On, on, so what camera is that? Because I, I, I'm watching your style and you've got like the way you shoot is obviously your, your feet are going at a, a million miles an hour, like, I guess like a duck when you see a duck swimming around. That, like, that's, yeah. that's you're paddling, right? Like a like a I'm thinking like a, a polo, a water polo player. Uh so you're swimming and but then you've got your arm above the water and then does your head go under the water when you take the shot? Can do, yeah. yeah. If I'm all that that the one shot doco is all about shooting wide, so yeah. there wasn't many times you'd see me in the channel shooting with a longer lens. Yep. So um because it's all pre focused, all I have to do is basically get the horizon straight and I with those waves, you, you start ducking down and you, you, you leave the camera up there just to get that one or two extra shots that you can do. And then I've got to um, try to push through the back. Are so, you ducking down to not get cleaned up? Is I'm that- ducking down to, yeah, not get cleaned up by the way. I need it. There's a fine line if you, you duck a bit late or you're in the wrong, you're going over with it. All right, and then you tell. So, so hang on. So, is the camera attached to you? Is it strapped? You got a wrist strap, and I would have it like tied to me in twenty different ways. How is it? <laughs> how do you not lose the camera? I've, I've got a double strap when I shoot waves that big. Yeah. So it's just just to my wrist, just in case one breaks. Because I've I've had a couple break before in uh, other spots, and um, one took me about three hours to find, and the other <sighs> one took about two hours to find. So Jesus. You would never find it out there if, if one broke. And when you go over, it's, they're really hard to hold on to. It's, they're hard enough to hold on to in just normal size waves. Um, so, but you, you can let go and the strap's going to keep it on your body for you, I guess. The, no, I'm, I'm not letting go of that housing at right, all. If right. I let go, it becomes like a deadly weapon. Yes. Like it just goes mad. Right. Hence uh, the helmet. Yes, so you wear a helmet as protection as well, which is uh, probably a very sensible thing to do. All right, so you've gripped onto the housing, you've got the two straps, and, I mean, I think your style is probably without the danger element exactly the same as what you see a a street photographer does in terms of the safety to to get to to make sure that you nail the focus and the shot so shooting um at a a narrower depth of field like f8 f11 uh, shooting super wide and then obviously a very fast shutter speed like what sort of shutter speeds are you working at I try to keep it around about the 1,200, above yep. 1,200, yeah, so just yep. depending on what the light's doing and what ISO I'm on. So, yep. and you know, if I'm trying to do slow shutter stuff, I'll obviously change it all up, but yep. normally freezing the action, uh, it's a lot of the times at that ride, it's, it's grey and gloomy, so yep. I have to bump the ISO up a little bit, but yep. yeah, anything above 1,200, but if I can shoot around 2,000, everything will be pin sharp. And it feels like you're shooting by feel rather than – so when you're super wide, are you looking through the viewfinder or are you just – do you just know that like, okay, if I'm in this sort of wave, my camera's straight at this angle, if I hold my hand like this, I, you just know? How does that work? Yeah, it's just all by feel. You just yep. know that it's pointing in the right direction. I mean, I've had I've had mates like professional so I remember Paul Morgan was he goes, "You get on the board and I'll get some shots." And I was just pulling into these big barrels and I was like, "Oh, he's going to be nailing all these shots of me." And I'm like, 
how am I not in the picture? Like, <laughs> you couldn't see. have to have that camera facing you. Yeah. Like, I do not know how you've stuffed this up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's all by feel. And that's and, just a, an intuitive thing. You've just you've done it that many times that you just know when you're in the sweet spot. Yeah, and it's and when you're in tune with the ocean, you know where that sweet spot is yep. more so than the like. I'm not that creative, but um, I do know how to get into a wave. That's for sure. And um, you know, and I, I started using a really big dome, and I would be hanging in the face of the wave until the surf has gone past me. And, yep. you know, you're putting half the dome in the wave so you can get some stuff underneath and then, yep. you know, be, but you can't really do that at certain ways because it's just too dangerous. So, um, yeah, it's just finding that sweet spot as all, all good surfers can. Fantastic. Wow, it's so amazing. And, you, like, your, your work really is um, just uh, incredible and, like, uh, and even after like, I could see the – the skill it took to achieve those shots but like again i just encourage any everyone to check out the documentary and go out online and uh, have a look at your work so um where where can people find you um and have a look at your work um just on my website so that's uh russellordphoto.com so i think you can actually might even be able to get to the um doco from there i better check that yeah and then um, I'm on Instagram as well. Yep. I think that's Russell of Photo. That's about it, really. Uh, yeah, I'm still doing all the social media. Sometimes I ask myself why I'm doing that, but I'm ticking it over. <laughs> cool. And uh, you've got uh, – you're involved with uh, – is it the Vagabond? And you're doing some, some workshops. We'll, we'll be doing something together in – uh, March, I think, up in Dinner Plain, but you've got some other stuff around uh, your surf photography. Is that right? Well, I'm looking forward to your one, like uh, coming to learn from you. And all, <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't even know how I got an invite to that thing. Like, I'm just going to be sitting in the crowd just loving what I'm going to be learning. And then I'm doing my first surf one in Fiji in May through Vagabond. That yeah, sounds that's a, that's amazing. A, yeah, I mean, I've been asked in the past to do a lot, but it's really difficult because it's not, you know, when you're putting people out in the ocean, you just don't know where their skill level is just yep. with the water. I'm not I'm not really worried about the camera stuff. It's just, you know, how are they going to react if something comes up to them or that kind of thing. So it should be good though. Fiji will be great. Do you do one-on-one as well? <laughs> I do a lot of mentoring one-on-one, but I've just started a little program where it's a little bit more in-depth because Mm -hmm. it has been taking a lot of my time, and I thought, well, if I'm doing it, I might as well make a little job out of it. Fantastic. Uh, I've always made it my, you know, if anyone emails me or calls me, I'll I'll give them my time for sure. Fantastic. So, all right, I'll put all those uh, links in the show note, including a a link to that amazing doco. So, um, Russell, thanks so much. Uh, That's has been uh, so cool talking to you today, and I'm I'm looking forward to meeting you properly um, next month uh, at at that workshop. So, yeah, thanks again for your time. Oh, no, thank you. I'm looking forward to meeting you. (laughs) Take it easy. See ya. Will do. See ya.
Oh, wow. What a life. I mean, I certainly couldn't do it. I couldn't go anywhere near those big waves and, I know. and with a camera and just hope for the best. Well, not hope for the best, but I certainly would not be risking my life for my art. <laughs> yeah. But you see that like from all these photographers that I have been interviewing of like there there is a like a common theme and it's it, it's almost like everything everyone has done up to a certain point, all those skills are not wasted. So you see people that are perhaps in a corporate industry or they're nurses or like Ro Meadows who was a psychologist or whatever. It, you know, mm. my, my teaching background certainly came in very handy with my photography. There are all those skills that it they add to um, what you can do as a photographer and certainly uh, Russell with his, you know, the fitness that comes from being a rugby league player and the courage that I guess comes from the type of person that would be a firefighter mm. and then being a surfer and then he manages to combine all of those skills to become uh, uh, to find that niche in surf photography and, and uh, you know, when you're photographing that thing you love, it I mm. mean, it oozes out of his photos. You can see how, how beautiful they are. And, um, Absolutely. I think They're he's amazing. selling them on his site too, isn't he? So you can actually, if you want a, like a, a, a Russell Lord print, you can actually buy one. They're beautiful. They're just uh, incredible stuff. So oh, I'm so inspired so go now. to surf. <laughs> So go to um, if you want to look at his prints, go to Russell Ord Print Store uh, dot com. That's Russell Ord Print Store dot com. His website is Russell Ord Photo uh, dot com. But yeah, the prints uh, you could spend hours just. I've I've spent ages just looking at his prints at Russell Ord Print Store dot com, and that's Russell with two S's and two L's. Now, and there's also I, sorry, sorry Val. There's also yeah, he does run uh, workshops. So if you're interested in this style of photography, and I do believe that his workshop groups are quite small, like three, four, five people. So uh, you can check out, there is a link in the show notes. It's uh, vagabondphotographic.com. So you can check out uh, those those workshops there if you're interested in learning more from Russell Ord. Fantastic. And if you are going to do some surf photography, make sure you uh, pin it, you, you post it into the podcast listener community on Facebook. We'd love to check it out. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and click to join. We'd love to have you in there. I'd love to see some surf photography from the listener community. And some advice that I got, because I wasn't uh, I'm still not the most confident person in the surf, but I was very, very, very unconfident at some point. And I remember I uh, did an interview with, uh, you know, multi-world champion surfer Tom Carroll, and we did a photo shoot at Newport Beach as well, not in the surf, just on mm -hmm. the beach. And one of the most useful pieces of advice I ever received that has stuck with me ever since Um mm -hmm you know, when it comes to actually being in the ocean and, and, and surfing and, or, or just, you know, body surfing, just playing in the ocean, is he said, just remember, you're always going to come back up. Hmm. <laughs> and I said, yeah. Wow. Okay. 
So just so calm down. Stay calm. And just, yeah, and you're always going to come back up. And it was weird. It was like from that moment on everything was okay, you know what I mean? And I wasn't, I, the fear went away. Yeah. Um, of course I haven't done the big waves. I haven't gone to Chopu or whatever like Russell Ord, yeah. Yeah. but certainly in the surf that's just uh, around Sydney that I go in, I, I, every time now I always remember what Tom Carroll said, you're always going to come back up. All right. You? So, what a great fantastic. mentor to have. Fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was a nice. mentor, Tom Carroll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom and I, Tommy, I remember the thing that Tommy said to me. <laughs> yeah, not quite. <laughs> he does only live down the road, but we don't hang or anything. <laughs> my great advice my mum gave to me is like you got to wait an hour before you go in after you've eaten <laughs> It's my great advice. Uh, she's never surfed a day in her life, but it's like I still remember that advice, Val. On your nonna. <laughs> awesome. All right. So that's the end of this week's episode. Uh, where do we find you online, Gina? So find me at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And I'm at Gina Militia on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook. And you can also find me in the Gold community and also in the Facebook uh, podcast, Facebook community, Val. How about you? <laughs> You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, you'll also find me in the listener community on Facebook. Uh, just connect with us there. And it's awesome to connect with everyone who's in the gold membership community as well. You can find out more about that at GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.